Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Venice, Italy with my new friend JP Morselli of ClassicBoatsVenice.com. JP used to visit family in Venice during the summers as a little boy, then decided to move there when his wife fell in love with the city. He loves being on the water, and Venice is the perfect place to live out that dream. In this episode, JP and I talk about the annual Regatta Historica, Redentori Firework Festival, and Gondola Rides. You have about these three amazing attractions, and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Venice. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, JP, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks, Lee. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Well, to be here, to be in the internet space, as it were. So thank you for this wonderful dialogue of travel. Absolutely. So today we're talking about Venice, Italy, and I actually got connected with you with uh, a group that we both belong to called Travel Massive, really awesome travel-focused group that connects uh, bloggers from all over the world. So uh, I'm glad we made the connection, and I'm really interested in learning all about Venice. So I haven't actually had a chance to live there or, or, or visit there. So what's your connection to the city? My connection to this city is quite simple. I've been coming to this city since I was a little kid. Every summer I would spend uh, my summers here in Venice because I have family. I have uncles and aunts and cousins here and from my mom's side of the family. And my dad is from Italy. So we would spend our summers in Rome, see the family there, and then be schlepped over to Venice and go meet all the family in Venice. I have so much Venetian roots that even my uncle was a gondoliere. Oh, Wow. I mean, I think that's one of the things that people probably think of most when they think of Venice is the canals and the gondoliers and everything. We definitely want to talk about that in a few minutes. So like, how did you actually come to live in Venice? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I was living, I was bouncing around for, for many years all over the world because that's what we do. We love to travel. So you want to find your energy, your light in every country you could possibly travel to. In my travels, I ended up spending a lot of time in Korea where I was playing in a death metal band and surfing and working for the Korean government out there. And I fell in love with a beautiful Korean woman who's now my wife. And she fell in love with Venice because my parents moved back to to Venice, Italy. And she said, we have to live here. I want to get out of Korea and I want to live here. And when you're in love, you do anything for love. (laughs) Hey, you know... Happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So now that you've been living there for a little while, if you had to describe the people or the city in just a couple of words, how would you do that? I would say it's a contradiction because it doesn't represent Italy at all. Venice does not represent Italy. So I would say it's a contradiction. It's beautiful, exciting. It's definitely fun. But contradiction is the word that I would use because take everything that you expect from Italy and Venice is not that. You know, you think about cars, there's no cars. You think about pizza, it's not a pizza city. 
you think about very affectionate, open people. They're not affectionate compared to other Italians. So it is a contradiction in the cultural Italian aspect of it. But they have their own unique charm. They are party people. And yeah, I would say that Venice is a contradiction with party. That's the best way to call it. Right on. So I know it's obviously like in the, the Mediterranean. And so it probably has like kind of that Mediterranean climate, pretty good weather throughout the year. How would you describe the weather as far as like different seasons we might come to visit? And then also, are there certain festivals or like concerts or, or events that happen throughout the year if, if we're planning our trip? So you all, I obviously have to make sure I, I don't miss that. I think that throughout the year, um, Venice has four seasons. It's not as strong as, say, a place like New York, but definitely the summer is very, very hot. It's sunny. It's super humid, and there's a lot of mosquitoes, believe it or not. In Venice, there's a lot of mosquitoes, but the weather is amazing. We have, I think, the best sunsets in the world here. Watching a sunset in Venice is, is one of the most romantic experiences you could have on a beautiful summer, summer night in a boat or just sitting in a piazza looking at the canals. But there are a lot of people that come here because it is the most romantic, beautiful city in the world. And summer is amazing because you, there is so much to do in the summertime. So we'll start with the summer. The biggest festival in the summer would have to be the Rene de Torre. The Rene de Torre festival happens, I believe it's the third week of July normally. That's when it is. And it's a firework festival. And uh, it happens at the Rene de Torre church. And it's a festival that celebrates Venice and the, the Rene de Torre church, which is a very famous church in Venice. And they have a huge firework display. And it's the only time of the year where all of the boats are allowed to anchor in San Marco Basin. And you have all of the locals anchoring their boats, partying, waiting for the fireworks, eating all day, getting drunk, going from boat to boat, waiting for the fireworks to explode over St. Mark's. And that's essential. You got to see it if you can get out to check it out. In autumn, there's a couple of traditional regattas. They, they call them the Regatta Storica, which is a traditional Venetian festival where they race traditional Venetian rowing boats and people get dressed up in traditional clothes. Autumn, for me, is my favorite time to visit Venice because the weather is super cool and there's less tourists and the weather is just perfect. It's light jacket weather. You're not suffering with the humidity. In the wintertime, especially right after November, I would say, up until January, it's pretty dead in Venice. Everyone, everything is pretty closed up. That's the Venetian vacation time where the Venetians decide to just relax because the tourists are not there. And in the wintertime, we have a festival called Carnevale. It's probably the most famous festival in Venice. It's a festival that celebrates the fat. It's basically Fat Tuesday. That's what it is. But it happens for about eight days. And every day there's a different festival within the Carnevale, under the Carnevale umbrella. And people wear traditional clothes from the uh, 18th century. That's quite a fest. And there's lots of traditional food that comes out during that time that you can only eat in that period. And it's just nonstop partying for, for 10 days. The, the city kind of shuts down for work and just kind of parties. And it's wall-to-wall tourists. It's insane. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Like, especially like you mentioned that if you're only able to get the food during that time. And so if you're a traveler that loves food, that sounds like the perfect time to go. Absolutely. And can I mention the food that you should eat? Do you like donuts? Oh, of course. I didn't get this dad bod for nothing, right? <laughs> Dude, seriously, if you have a dad bod 
you will love this pastry called fritue. Fritue is basically a fried dough. It's just like a donut with raisins and different spices inside. And you have the choice of zabaglione cream, a kind of liqueur cream inside, apple jams inside, different jams that are all homemade. And it's really soft. I think it's the predecessor of the donut. I think it was the reason why the donut exists. And it's incredible. You can only get it during Carnival. It's called fritue. And I definitely recommend eating that. Don't eat too many because it goes straight to your dad bod. <laughs> nice. And I, I, sorry, I cut you off. There was one more, I think, festival you were going to mention. Yeah, there's one festival that I like to always announce, even though it's not so well known, but it's for people who are into sports and who are athletic because I'm a sports guy. And this is the one that excites me the most. It's called the Volga Longa. And the Volga Longa is a rowing festival that kind of started in, in the 70s. It was a way for Venetians to combat motorboats and big tourism back in the 70s. And they wanted to create a festival that was focused on sustainable boating and sustainable rowing. And just it's all about the paddle. So thousands and thousands of people from all over the world come with their kayaks, canoes, additional rowing boats, dragon boats. And they do a 36-kilometer route and race in all these different rowing boats across the Venetian Lagoon. And that's a lot of fun. And I totally recommend that to experience the Venetian Lagoon. Because in Venice, it's not just the center. It's Everyone thinks of Venice as just that one island. Venice is over 120 islands. you know, And, and people tend to forget that. Well, that's fantastic. So let's take a step back. If we're planning to come, whether it's to one of these festivals or just to come and have a kind of a romantic trip. Say we're coming from America. Do we fly directly into the Venice airport? Uh, or do we have to go someplace else first? Or how do we get to Venice? You have four options. I, I would say there's four general options. If you want to fly directly to Venice, you have the choice to, especially if you're in New York or Chicago or um, in a place like Los Angeles, you can fly directly to Marco Polo Airport, which is the center airport in Venice. Or you can get to Treviso Airport, which is for the budget airplanes, which would mostly be like your Ryanairs or uh, uh, your EasyJets would, would tend to go there. And it's it's a little bit less congested than Marco Polo Airport. And it would take you about 20 minutes with a bus to get into Venice proper. And then the same Marco Polo Airport it takes you about 20 minutes with a bus to get inside Venice proper. The other option is to take the train if you're traveling in Europe and you want to come by train. Um, there's uh, Santa Lucia train station. It's a beautiful train station. Oh, there's every connection throughout all of uh, Europe, and it comes directly into Venice. So if you're in Munich or if you're in uh, Slovakia, wherever you are in Venice, you can get there to Venice super easy with a, with a couple of trains, no problem. And then the last option would, would be a bus if you, if you want to come in. That's not a problem. Okay. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that like, – I know a lot of Americans probably have this issue where we don't think about it where – Europe is such a relatively small place. And as long as you can fly, maybe you find like a really sweet deal and you can get into Europe just anywhere there, you can take a train easily to get anywhere else within Europe. And and so maybe the flight into Marco Polo can be expensive for the dates that you're searching. If you can fly into another airport that's within a country or two, you can take that train relatively cheap and relatively easily down to your preferred destination like Venice. Absolutely. I, I always recommend to people, if you're going to come into Europe, fly to London first. Seriously, fly to London first. Check out London. Go to Ireland if you have the time to do it. And then take a budget 
plane over to say Paris or, or Barcelona, then take a train it's, or a bus or one of the European buses over and you get to experience a lot of the continent without spending too much out of pocket. I did that when I was 18 years old and uh, it was the best experience, some of the best experiences of my life. I think that it's something that you need to do once in your life because it's it's so easy to travel in Europe and you can still do it on a budget. That's That's not a problem at all. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of budget and trying to keep your costs down and everything, say we fly into you know, either one of those airports and you mentioned you know, taking a bus from the airport into, into the city. We can't rent a car because there's no cars there, but what's the preferred way to get around while we're, once we're actually in Venice? Okay. There's this amazing invention called your legs. That's <laughs> really good. Your legs are going to be your best friend. You're going to, the Venetians are incredible at walking. That's why there's such a contradiction. They're amazing because they are the hardest working, walking people I have ever met in my life. They walk everywhere. The average Venetian will probably do 12 kilometers in a day just walking, not even realizing it. And they're doing it while they're drinking like five spritzes and, you know, two glasses of wine, meeting up with friends. They're incredible. They don't drink water. They hydrate with alcohol. They're incredible. (laughs) So, yeah, I would say number one is definitely your feet. And number two is definitely the water bus. The water bus in in, uh, Venice is called the Vaporetto, and the Vaporetto is going to get you all around it. It's very well serviced. Sometimes you hear these things. I don't know where these stereotypes come from that, oh, the buses don't run right, or this doesn't run, this is not good. I come from New York City, and sorry to all my my, uh, friends out in New York, but I'm telling you, the subways in New York don't function. The buses don't function right. In Italy, things function. The things run on time. And a lot of people say that, I don't know where this comes from, that Italians, the life is slower or something like that. No, everything functions and is precise. That was something that that impressed me living here. I said, wow, it's really working perfectly, like a nice Swiss watch. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised how organized everything is in in Venice. Kudos, Venice. (laughs) Absolutely. Now that we're there in town, where should we stay? Or is there certain areas of town that we we should focus when we're looking to book our hotel? Absolutely. One of the biggest problems with the digital revolution, so to speak, and of course, uh, a monetization of your own property is that inevitably there is a lot of accommodation through Airbnb and the, the Venetians have definitely capitalized on it. However, it is very frowned upon by the local Venetians. The Venetians who decided to stay in Venice because we're only about 58,000 and in the lagoon proper, we're about 80,000 don't really like Airbnb. And so there's a little bit of a pushback. So if you can, I do recommend to stay in a local hotel run by local people. One area that I do recommend definitely is uh, Canareggio. If you want a more authentic Venetian experience, Canareggio is an incredible place, which actually has the first ghetto in the entire world. The word ghetto is a Venetian word, and it has the first ghetto in the entire world, which was uh, the Jewish ghetto. And we still have a vibrant Jewish community living inside Venice in this zone. And that tends to be the student section. And that's where a lot of the life is, where the boat builders are and where you'll find the local people and get the cheaper drinks. So you'll definitely save six euros in your pocket in a drink over there. That's one section. Another would recommend definitely is an area called Castello. Castello is the is the stronghold. That's like the Brooklyn of Venice. That's where the real deal Venetians are and uh, where the tough guys are. And I think that's a cool section. Um, Saying tough guy in Venice is, you know, it's not like American tough guys. They're a little bit stronger, 
and they're more authentic than, say, the, the people living in San Marco, because they tend to be, you know, temporary Venetians. They're not the real deal Venetians. So Castello and Canareggio would be like my two ideal places that I love. Do you have a, a favorite hotel in either one of those? Yes. In, it's in Canareggio, in Misericordia, on this little street. This, there's a street called Calle de Misericordia, which is a place where you should definitely go to drink because that's where all the locals are and where all the young people are having fun. But behind there is a boutique hotel called Hotel Horica. And Hotel Horica has some of the most beautiful rooms in all of Venice. It's totally hidden away. And you get like five-star luxury at about three, four-star prices. And they have one of the most beautiful gardens I've seen in Venice. Really great breakfast. And it's just so unique the way it's designed. And it's not pretentious. I really, if you have a couple of extra bucks more, I would definitely splurge on the Hotel Horica. It's a great spot. It's really beautiful. That sounds amazing. So let's talk about some of the things to do while we're there in Venice. Obviously, uh, going on a gondolier ride, that's probably a given that people are going to do that. If you have any recommendations for that, uh, if nothing else, then what are some of the other things we should do when we're, when we're there in Venice? I got, I got to represent my gondola brothers and sisters because I'm very close to them. I have to represent them. You should go on a gondola because it is beautiful and it is an art. It's a, it's so difficult to do. And I think that that's the beauty of it to watch them row the gondola. A lot of people just think, Oh, it's just rowing. It's not. It's a different technique. It's a different stance. And seeing that and seeing this lineage, because all of these people who are gondolieres, they got it passed on to them from family, from generation to generation. It's not someone who just walks in and says, I want to be a gondoliere. It's only Venetians. You know, it's, it's just a Venetian thing. It's a Venetian club. And it's a very particular club. And it's not easy to enter. And the art is really difficult to learn. So definitely go check out a gondola. If you don't have the money for a gondola ride, because they are, they can be expensive for some people. They're about 80 euros for 30 minutes. If you can't afford that, I would recommend the, what's called the traghetto. The traghetto is kind of like a gondola because we have a lot of different types of rowing boats in Venice. That's what we're famous for. We have a gondola and then we have a different type of gondola, what's called a sandolo. And it looks like a gondola. It's the same technique. And you, you would use this to get across from one side of the of the canal to the other side of the canal. And this costs about two euro fifty. And you have the same experience, but without spending all that money if you can't afford the gondola. That's one thing I would recommend. Another thing I would definitely recommend is if you're into art, I'm not a big museum guy. I have to be honest. When I go to a place, I look at, okay, where's the heavy metal bar? Where's the skateboard parks? Where's the surfing? I'm, I'm a strange person. So when I got to Venice, I wanted to know where the alternative scenes were. But here in Venice, if you want to see some alternative art, I would recommend checking out the Banksy piece because Banksy came to Venice and put up one of the coolest graffiti pieces that I've ever seen that he's done. And it's in Venice and it's in the section called Santa Margarita. And you should definitely check out this Banksy piece because he did it in the middle of the night during the Biennale. The Biennale is a big festival that I should have rec- I should have recommended as well. The Biennale happens every two years, and it's interchangeable. They have the Biennale of Art and the Biennale of Architecture, and people come from all over the world to check that out. So the Biennale Architecture and the Biennale of Fine Art, and uh, that's a pavilion in the section known as Santa Elena. But if you're not into the museum and you want to see art and street art, definitely check out the Banksy piece which was a reaction and a critical piece against the Biennale of Arts because Banksy believed that art shouldn't be bought or paid for and it should be open to the masses. So he did it as a protest against the Biennale of Art. Definitely check out that piece. 
And on a side note, if you want to go see football, you can go check out one of the oldest stadiums in Europe. It's called the Penzo Stadium, and that's where Venezia FC play. I got to give a shout out to Venezia FC because I spend a lot of time with them and I have a lot of friends who work for them and play actually for them. So you can go check out an an amazing soccer game with tradition. The stadium is about 125 years old and it's in Venice and it overlooks the water. It's insane. And the tickets are like $15 and you can see a professional soccer game. So I would recommend that. Another thing I would definitely recommend is you have to go and get drunk. You have to get drunk. Sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. If you don't get drunk, then um, you didn't come to Venice. I'm sorry. You didn't do it right. Um, If you're under 18, you can't do that. I'm sorry. So you definitely have to ask your parents if it's okay, if you can have a little taste. (laughs) But no, definitely, I would say go check out all the little wine bars and the little what they call inotecas where you can have a traditional Venetian spritz, it's called. I don't know if you know. Do you know what spritz is? That's just like a wine and like a like a kind of like a soda. That's what a a normal spritz is, but the name spritz actually came from Venice. And what a spritz is, is a bitter liquor. It's like a semi-sweet bitter liquor called Aperol. You can have it with Aperol or a Campari, and they put Prosecco inside and with a little bit of uh, mineral water. Some people put mineral water in it, fizzy water in it, but you don't have to. So it's it's a mixture of um, Prosecco, which is traditional Venetian sparkling wine that that comes from the Veneto region in the area of Valdobbiadene. And then you pour one of these bitter liqueurs inside as well. And then you put an olive and orange on a stick inside and these get you super drunk. And this <laughs> is the Venetian spritz. I recommend it. And then you also have to try the local liquor called Select, which is from Venice. And that's really good. So the big question is that you know, some areas, they, they don't like tourists or specifically Americans or whatever coming in there and kind of taking over the spot, getting drunk and acting a fool, you know, are they okay with the tourists doing that? Or is it more of like, Hey, this is a local thing. Why are you in our bar or restaurant you're doing that? Or is it something like, Hey, come on in, man. Like they just kind of welcome you no matter where you're from. Here's the thing. Cause that's such a good question. I'm happy you asked it because there's this love hate relationship with tourists in Venice. I will tell you straight up. The Venetians love Americans. I'm going to answer that question because there's all these stereotypes. It's Venetians are such lovely, kind people. They are a little bit cold because they are protective of their culture as they should be. But the Venetians are some of the most welcoming people I have ever met. That's why I choose to live here. But what they take issue with is people trying to take over and people trying to be arrogant. I guess arrogance is just frowned upon. But isn't it frowned upon in every country? Arrogance? I would think so, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so it's not mutually exclusive to one culture because my my experience has been as as an American is to calm down my Americanness because as an American you tend to innately have this exceptionalism built into your DNA from education and you need to squash it. You need to learn to say, "Listen, I need to turn off America and I need to turn on open-mindedness and just be cool and follow the locals at their own pace." We call this enculturation. And I think that that's important. So this is advice, not just mutually exclusive, just for Venice, but it's for all over the world, no matter where you travel. If you come into a bar that's local, don't come in and be like, yo, bartender, throws down some shots, shots, shots. Okay. okay. Now, so if, if you're coming in there with this frat boy mentality, that's not going to be cool. But if you come in there being totally open-minded, the Venetians are going to welcome you with open arms and they'll definitely welcome you back to their house for a few more drinks. But you should you should buy them a drink. That's a little tip. If you buy a, v- a Venetian sitting next to you, 
a spritz, that's it. You made a brother or a sister for life. Done. Game over. Oh, that's awesome. So a couple quick questions. One related to that is sometimes when you travel, people are afraid of going to certain places because they, they don't know the language or that you know the people that go there or wherever they're going don't know English. How has that been for you being an American there in Italy? Do you have to learn a lot of Italian or do a lot of people speak English? It, this is this is a great question because I, I Tanzania, I've lived in Spain, I've also lived in Taiwan and, and Korea. No matter what country I went to, I went and I actually learned the language. So I speak a couple of languages and it's always been a big part of who I am that enculturation is essential for survival. So if you decide that you're going to move permanently move and be as crazy as I am and say, you know what, you, you should learn the language. I learned the language and I also learned the local language. So I speak Venetian and Italian because in Venice, they speak a dialect called Venetian and it's, it's essential. It, it is a language, it's its own language. And they use that as their form of communication. However, the great thing about Venetians is that because they've always been at a cultural crossroads with so many different countries and they've been in contact with so many different languages and cultures, they inevitably are really good at different languages. So the average Venetian can speak pretty much basic English and will be able to communicate with you to get your basic needs across. So you don't need to know too much, but I always recommend get a couple of Italian phrases. You don't need to learn Venetian, but you might even be able to surprise them and say, something in Venetian that could possibly surprise them. So you could say something like this, which means, yeah, you're absolutely right, old man. We call each other vecho and vecha. That's a sign of endearment here. So we call each other old man, old lady. Gracia vecho. Instead of saying grazie, gracia vecho. They will be impressed that, wow, you, you didn't even know Italian. You knew the local language. You were cool. <laughs> I love it. It makes them happy. It makes people happy. Like if someone came to New York, that's from Italy, and says to me, yo, that's what's up. I am going to be over the moon. How did you know that? That's what's up. <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm going to love it. That's amazing. Last two questions before we get into the final countdown. So you know, Italy is known for just incredible food. You know, we talked about a little bit about the, the fritoa, but that's only during the festivals. So what are a couple of things we should eat while we're there that we won't find anyplace else or that is so amazing there in Venice that that we're going to wish that we were back in Venice every time we try to eat it anyplace else. My word, you know, Venice is, is often overlooked. They call it the overlooked culinary city because you're surrounded by amazing cities with amazing food everywhere you go in Italy. But Venice has some of the most amazing seafood and seafood variety in, I think, the whole world. So one thing that you should definitely try is our tapas. It's called cicchetti. And of course, because Venetians love to drink, we have this thing called ombras. And ombra is like a little drink that you have, like a little glass of wine, a local wine, with what they call cicchetti. Cicchetti is the tapas that complements the local wine. So I would definitely say have a local small glass of local wine with the cicchetti. And on these tapas, they put a codfish mousse that's called bacala manticato. What they do is they take the codfish and they put a little bit of milk, a little bit of sometimes some garlic, a little bit of garlic, and they blitz it and it becomes like a mousse and it becomes like a spread on top of these fine to toasted breads. And that's incredible. That's one thing I would definitely try. Another thing that I would definitely try is what's called uh, bigui and salsa. Bigui and salsa is very large 
a little bit bigger spaghetti. It's bigger than spaghetti. It's wider and fat. It's almost like bucati. And they make a sauce with it that's with sardines and onions. It's this sweet, savory dish that's incredible. Biguin salsa. I would recommend that. And you definitely have to try the risotto here. We are a city of seafood risotto. You cannot go wrong with seafood risotto. And last but not least is definitely the frito misto, the fried fish variety. We fish so much from the Lagoon of Venice, and we have so many different types of fish. There's nothing better than having fried fish in Venice. That's, that's oh, and then I forgot one more. You got to have sardine saur. Sardine saur is incredible. It's onions and raisins with sardines. It's sitting in vinegar, and so it's, it's marinated over time, like three days. The sardines are slightly fried, and then they're put in this vinegar caramelized goodness of onions and raisins raisins and it's that's something that's just delicious and very indicative of the venetian palate and you should definitely try that wow it's such a like amazing variety of food that <laughs> i know my wife would would just be over the over the moon when she hears about all this and she's gonna make me book a ticket to go to venice uh, as soon as we, as soon as we can well you've got to come when you come to Venice, you got, you're going to come to my house and my mom's going to cook you a traditional Venetian meal. You've got to have it. That sounds amazing. That's it. You've got to come over. I'm going to hold you to it. But now it's time for the final countdown. So if a traveler only had time for one meal in Venice, where should they go and what should they eat? You're going to go to Mazzorbo. It's an island um, near Burano, which is the famous island of all the colorful houses. You're going to go to the sister island called Mazzorbo. And there is a restaurant called Trattoria alla Maddalena. And there, you have to try the risotto al go. Risotto al go is the most Venetian dish of them all. And for me, it is in my top three greatest foods you'll ever eat in your life. If that's all you eat in your life, you have lived a better life than probably 95% of the world. But they do it the best there, in my opinion, and it's a really honest price. What risotto al go is, and it's the only place in Italy you can get it. It's an old traditional dish from the Venetian islands. And what go was is this ugly little fish that most people didn't really use. The fishermen would catch fish and these little ugly fish would be in the canals of Burano and Mazzorbo. And they would just kind of throw the fish away. But it was a poor man's fish. And they saw the cats were eating it and liking it. So the local people started to make a stock out of it. And people started to use it. And they found out you can make a risotto with it and because the fish is so delicate it takes a couple of hours to get it right so what you do is you collect all this ugly little fish this what's called go and you stir it for like hours and you don't want to mess it up because if you break it the stock is done and in the risotto all there is is the stock of this fish that's it it's just white and you look at it and you go this is nothing but when you try it it's heaven in your mouth well that's phenomenal so you've lived there in Venice for a little while now, so I'm sure you have some amazing stories. What's one of your most memorable? Wow, that is a huge question. There are so many stories. I, I don't even know where to start. I think that the story that I would start at is one of the funniest ones. I'm a surfer and I love surfing. And coming to Venice to try to surf is like going to the moon because we don't get many waves, but when you do get waves, it's so cool because there's no one out there. So because we have a lot of beaches here that people don't know about and it's easy to get to uh, with the water bus. So my first year here in Venice, I was walking through the streets of Venice with a surfboard. And I remember it was early in the morning and I got onto the Vaporetto, which is the water bus. I, I walked out and there was these huge waves for no reason that I just didn't anticipate. And it was incredible. And I was out there 
for what seems like hours just surfing in Venice. The Venetians were shocked I was doing it. I was shocked I was doing it. And it was this moment where you felt like everything was possible because nobody was judging you, even though no one does it. And I understood immediately that Venice is a city that doesn't judge people. And for me, that was so cool because why is this guy out there in the middle of November surfing? It's cold, <laughs> he's got a wetsuit on, but he's doing it, whatever. I got out of the water and people were clapping for me. One guy offered me a coffee and we went out for a coffee and we became friends. It was a joy of life, a joy de vivre that made me invigorated. I said, this is cool. They said, wow, this is so cool. Oh, great, okay, you gotta talk to my son. He's gotta see this. And that was, for me, it was not so much about what I was doing, but it was about the transmission of the spiritual essence of the communication that I was having by doing this action and the, the feeling that I was giving other people that made me feel so good and what I was getting from them. Because you don't get that normally. People just don't consider what you're doing at all. And for them, they were considering me a part of their life. And that was awesome in my stupid little surfing act. Wow, what an endearing story. I mean, that, that's so amazing, especially the reaction of the people. Like, that's pretty rare. They, they took me <laughs> for a coffee. The guy came out and was like, well, let's go for a coffee. You got to talk to my son. His wife came over. It was ridiculous. And people clapping for you. I was like, oh, this is awesome. That is the Italian thing where like Italians love life. And so they transmit that everywhere they go. So it, there is that Italianist no matter where you go. If you're in Sardinia, if you're in Trentino Alto Adige, if you're in Sicily, the Italians love life. And that's cool. And it's fun when you experience it. Well, no wonder why you love living there. I mean, we, I think we all need a little bit more of that in our life. So. Speaking of, of happy stories, where's the happiest happy hour in, in Venice? For me, the happiest happy hour would definitely be Marciano's in uh, the street that I was telling about, Calle della Misericordia. I love Marciano's because they have five televisions, sports going on all the time, and it's where you will see all the Venetian athletes, they will hang out there. And all of the Venetian guys who are into sports, the taxi drivers, the gondoliere, they'll hang out there to watch sports, and you get Venetian beer on tap and that's a place to go to because you feel like you're in England or in Ireland but it has definitely the Italian and Venetian coolness to it that I think that the English can't do sorry my English friends I love you but there is that level of cool that the Italians just do better than everyone else <laughs> and it's cool you're, you're eating you're having a beer and you're, you you have your choice of all the, the different games you want they have a great great happy hour there and I would definitely recommend Marciano's that's so fun you mentioned earlier that uh, the Venice doesn't have like pizza, like like a lot of other you know, other cities within Italy. But one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. So where would I go if I want a local, if I want like the best pizza in, in Venice? If you want the best pizza in Venice, I would recommend actually in that same corner, in that same area, in Calle de la Misericordia, not far away, right next to Marciano's, is a place called Arte del Pizza. Arte del Pizza. It's not a sit-down place. It's only takeaway. But what's so great about it is that you get a big pizza for takeaway for five bucks, five euros, six euros, and they have all these amazing toppings, pepperoni, anything you want. It's incredible. And they have a Yevito Madre. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Yevito Madre. That's basically a, uh, what they call like a, um, I'm trying to remember it. And see, I'm losing my English. This is not good. <laughs> don't enculturate too much. Lose your English. It's a, it's a sourdough starter. And they have a Yevito Madre that's, a, that's like 20 years old. So the bread is just incredible. And they use, every, everything's organic there. And I, I totally recommend it. And it's always packed with people. Definitely go there before seven o'clock because it gets packed. Oh, that sounds so delicious. So 
You were talking earlier about just all the amazing travels that you've done all over the world, living in all these different countries. I know you know some amazing travel tips. What's your best? My best travel tip, really, and it sounds so rudimentary, but you would be surprised how many people forget this. The number one tip is to be grateful. That's number one. I have three travel tips. Number one is to be grateful that you're able to do it. Because when you start to come from a place of gratitude, you're going to love the trip even more. So when you touch down, and no matter what place you're in, just say, I am so grateful to be able to do this. I'm so grateful to be in Thailand and to meet Thai people, to get to go to Chiang Mai, see the temples. I'm so grateful because that will dictate the rest of your trip. If you are coming in with positivity and love and just gratefulness, the people will feed off that energy immediately. So that's number one. The next travel tip is talk to taxi drivers. Taxi drivers are your friend. Ask them where they eat. Ask them where they party. Ask them where they go. Some of the best meals I've had, and I've saved a lot of pennies, is by asking taxi drivers. I have an awesome story in Spain. I was living in Alicante, and I went up to this taxi driver, and I asked them in Spanish, where do you eat? He goes, you want to know where I eat? If I show you where I eat, you can't tell anyone, though. You promise? I said, yeah. <laughs> Takes me there. And I had a, an amazing five course meal and I probably spent about eight euros and it was one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. So definitely ask a taxi driver what's good. And number three, I would say is definitely keep an open mind. It's not your country. Don't express your opinions when people aren't asking for them. Just keep an open mind. Be as kind of silent observer, observe and observe. And you don't have to always qualify or quantify or compare something. Americans, we compare everything. And it's, it's, it's a good part about us because we've innovated so many different products and, and we've really changed the world with so many different technology that we've created. But it also is a defect because when you compare too much, you start to forget you should also enjoy because not everything can be compared. You just have to enjoy it. So keep an open mind, be a silent observer, be grateful, talk to a taxi driver, and uh, listen to more heavy metal. That's, that's important. <laughs> that's tip number four. So <laughs> that's awesome, JP. I really appreciate you sharing all these tips. And I've learned a lot about Venice. I can't wait to come visit. There's so many amazing foods that I can't wait to experience with my wife and my children. And obviously going to hang out and get drunk with you, you know? Yeah, you should totally get drunk with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do? And then if they have any questions about Venice or about, about your boats, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? So I am a director of a traditional boat company called Classic Boats Venice. We restore and maintain traditional Venetian boats that are all wooden, and we're sustainable boating companies. So all of our boats have electric and hybrid engines. We also have the first automatic hybrid drive in all of Europe. And we have boats that date back to 1894, 1938. And our whole concept was to take these old boats and give them modern solutions that are clean, green, and efficient. And we do experiences in the lagoon. We teach kids about sustainability and it's family fun. And if you want a beautiful boat, you, you got to hang out with us because we have amazing traditional Venetian boats. And so definitely check us out and you can find us at www.classicboatsvenice.com or you can check us out on Instagram at Classic Boats Venice. Very simple, just Classic Boats Venice. You can't miss us. And if you do come by, I would uh, definitely give uh, your listeners a discount. Oh, we like that. So do they just mention the show? 
I will create the code tonight. I think we're going to call it, you know what? We should give it a funny quote. What do you think about dad bod? Yeah, let's do it. Dad bod 2021. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's going to be the code. It's uh, dad bod 2021. I'm writing it down now. I'm going to create it. I'm going to tell my programmer to create it tonight. Dad bod 2021. And you get 15% off on all of our products. Well, we really appreciate that, JP. Uh, again, I've had a wonderful time. I look forward to being able to hang out with you. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Absolutely. And you're always welcome. And I just want to tell all your listeners, no matter how bad life gets, just know that you are all loved and the world is beautiful. So travel because I don't know you, but I love you. So I, I love everybody. So don't complain and just love life and travel more. That's, that's, I think that's a good philosophy to end on. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree. Thank you so much. What an awesome conversation with JP. I can't wait to visit Venice and ride some of those incredible boats. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Venice. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash Acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Birmingham, Alabama to speak with my new friend Deborah Douglas, the author of the U.S. Civil Rights Trail for Moon Travel Guides. Deborah and I talk about the story of the Birmingham campaign, the Children's Crusade, and Kelly Ingram Park. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that we won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.